The Natural Hat Trick with Luke Lipinski, Craig Morgan, and Jamie Eisner. Welcome to episode 216 of the Natural Hat Trick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan, Natty Hattie, and Jamie Eisner, and nobody else, and Sebastian Norris. Hey, hey. What's up, Seb? Not much. How are you doing over there? Trying to stay awake. That's... <laughs> That, that's a that's a common theme on this yeah. show. You should have been on we our last podcast. On a lot of people. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, I'm Luke Lipinski, and here we go, gentlemen. Any any, uh, any news with the the Coyotes or anything we want to start out with? No. Nothing big, right? I haven't heard anything. Okay, should we revisit my Clayton Keller projection point total conversation from two episodes ago? Apparently, think, somebody was listening. I think it very much plays into whether this is a good or bad contract or somewhere in the middle. Although. The verdict's already been out there. I think we've already know because once a contract's signed, you have like three to five minutes to decide whether it's good or not, and mm-hmm. that's already happened. <laughs> and the reactions are all over the map. They really are. Yeah, I was going to say there's not really a universal. I haven't seen a universal take from Coyotes fans on this no. or any community. The analytics community is split on it too. Yeah, so. it, it's a fascinating deal to me, and because it, it goes in line with some of these other deals we've talked about, and a theme on the show of the kind of the baseball model that seems to now be seeping into the NHL in terms of paying these young players when you still have years of team control and trying to overpay them early on to get them at a discount later. And I think that's exactly what the case is here. If you're looking at Clayton Keller's numbers last year, there's no way on earth he deserves a seven-plus million-dollar contract. I think that's very obvious, and that argument's been made, but that also doesn't say anything. The analysis needs to go deeper than that. If you believe, <laughs> well, because I basically saw that. Like, well, here were his five v five numbers last year, and why he doesn't deserve that deal. Right. Okay. Well, if you assume that that's his peak, then yes, he has no business being anywhere near this kind of a contract. Uh, any logical human being believes that no, this is probably not his peak, or at least not his potential peak, and that he has the ability to improve. Well, he did have sixty five sixty five points his rookie season, too. Yes. So if he is a player that can be a point-per-game player for you somewhere down the road and is going to be that power play catalyst on a playoff team, then you're going to look back at this deal in three or four years and say, wow, that's a great value. If this deal causes him to, for whatever reason, not progress or has injury issues or the issues that I've talked about on the show a bunch, effort issues, seep back into his game now that they got paid, we're now not going to see what a contract year Clayton Keller looks like for a very, very long time then it's going to be a bad deal. I think this is simply... The issues that we have looked at with Clayton Keller, positive and negative, don't change. And I think the reason why you're able to sign a player like this to a $7 million deal is because we haven't seen his peak yet because last year was a disaster. If it wasn't a disaster, this type of deal never comes together at this price. Anybody else? <laughs> I, was, I was trying to read your look over there. Well, it was I, somewhere between bored and no, you I wanted to take Jamie down. I, I've, I've agreed with a lot of the stuff Jamie says. Uh, I think my view's maybe a little more simplistic on it, simply that you, you drafted Keller high. You are, obviously, if you sign him to this deal, like I don't think $7.15 million a year for eight years is a is like a bargain. I think you paid him based on what you think he's going to be able to do, and that's fine. I like, and I've said all along, whether it's Chica or another GM, it doesn't even matter what the sport is, I like it when your GM takes a very specific path and is definitive with it and decisive and sticks to the plan. So in that regard, I like this. Where I'm a little concerned is, as good as Keller could be, he's basically had like three really good months spread out and some pretty bad months in there, too. And I think we all agree that the bad months, whether it's just body language and it looks that way or not, appear to come from a lack of motivation. 
and I don't have a problem with this deal. I just maybe would have done it in a few months because you had a year right here where you could dangle his contract over his head and say, look, if you're having a hard time getting motivated, get motivated because this is your year to get paid. Now you've done it. So like Jamie said, there is some risk involved of he's going to have to find internal motivation on his own. He cannot have another year like last year yeah. ever again. Yeah, agreed with that. And, and you saw what Rick Tockett said about him at the end of the season, how he thought Clayton Keller was humbled and... He but hopes see, why, that that's why wouldn't going to you, well, you? Why would you build on that and say you, you've been humbled? This is your chance to get paid. Go out there and and don't. It's not just the numbers. It's impact the game in a lot of different ways. Here's, I guess the flip side to that argument is you say wait a few months. What if Clayton Keller gets off to a, a crazy start, the rookie October? And, yeah, and looks at what's happening with all the other RFA's around the league this summer and says it's January. Why would I do this now? Why Why don't I wait and just cash in like these other guys? And, and I think the point. Here what do you is, think cashing in would look like? I don't him? know. I don't it, know. It, I think this because the market hasn't even if, been if he had a yet, seventy if he had a seventy plus point season he would he would want eight and a half nine million guaranteed I guarantee you that's what he would want the reason this, I'd, I'd be fine if he did that I'd almost be fine with it yeah, I want to see him over do all it. those years I, I think there is a risk here but I don't think again I haven't talked to John Chica but I don't think John Chica thinks he's going to be a seven point one five million dollar a year player three years from now I think he thinks he's going to be much greater than that mm-hmm. which is why he is overpaying right well, now. well I like that Chica does. Chaika does have that vision of I'm gonna yeah exactly I'm gonna pay for for this guy being a bargain in three years. I like the fact that he has foresight and like I said, I like the fact that he is definitive in what he's doing and has a plan going forward. A lot of GMs in this league don't seem like they have a plan. No, and I, and I don't see a lot of GMs taking this approach. And he's ta- he's facing a lot of criticism for it too. And he'll admit there's a lot of risk. There's a risk in every deal, of course. But you're paying for future instead of paying for past. And then and like you said, you're expecting. You're expecting him to be underpaid when he gets mm-hmm. to the latter part of this career because he's going to be producing at such a high level. There's there's obviously risk in that, but he is committed to the plan, as you mentioned earlier, Luke. He's trying to like up the guys that he feels, feels are a part of his core, and he's basically done that. It's going to be really intriguing to see how this plays out because I, I, don't, I can't think of another team that has done it to this extent that John Chica has yeah. where you tried to put all your pieces in place for the long term. I, I really can't either. And and, and I like that they are being innovative with it. I'm excited to see how it plays out because, I I mean, I brought the baseball model up on the show a bunch because that is very common there. Now, there's not a hard cap and and they have a lot more years of player control. There there are differences, but I think some of the principles could work with certain young players. And if you want to be a team that has contracts, let's say like the Duncan Keith contract. Those kind of deals can only happen if you sign a player long term and overpay them early on. Yeah, like you're you're not going to get those values late. Players are well aware. And by the way, we fully expect that by 2022, 2023, 2024, the cap's going to be higher. So this is going to be a lesser and lesser percent of the total team cap. Yes, in the important future. Point to make. So all of a sudden, that that he might be a two or three again potential. We don't know yet, but potentially could be a two or three million dollar player. A year, million dollars a year bargain on his contract toward the end of the deal. But as we've said on the show before, he still needs to be that player. He still needs to, he has the talent to be a point per game player. He's going to be put in the best situation to be that this year that he has been in so far in his NHL career. But he has to do it and he has to play with the effort of a top player in this league that we have not seen yet. Yeah, but you got to wonder too if it's Schalke looking at the situation we have right now with Patrick Laine, with Mikko Rantanen, mm-hmm. and seeing like, okay, we don't want to be in that situation. Because you don't want one of your top offensive guys to potentially miss all of preseason. Because how often do we see that work? A player misses the preseason, comes in, and does well. 
Not very often. Almost never. No. No. He, he, and he said that, that they took a look at – he wasn't trying to be clairvoyant. He didn't know it would be to this extent. But they looked at the crop of RFAs that were going to be due for new deals this summer. And they knew they didn't want to get caught in that logjam. So that's why he did what he did last year with, with Schmaltz and with Chikrin. You know, they locked up three guys that were going to be RFAs. And he's done the same thing with Keller. But I, another point that you and I were talking about off the air, Luke, is it, it's – Part of Clayton Keller's production, I still think, is an issue of the personnel around him. It, how much different does this team look if they have that true number one center and Clayton Keller is able to play with that guy? Now, that doesn't help you because it's not coming. There's no guy coming in the system. But maybe with the maturation of Nick Schmaltz, maybe with Phil Kessel in the lineup, he just gets more opportunities to produce. And then this this deal looks good. You, you, one of you said this. There's so many of you in here now. I don't remember which one it was. You don't want to pay for past production. You want to pay for, for what you think you can get in the future. And you have to be confident in your scouting department and your own assessment of your players. And so, again, I like that the Coyotes are doing that. You are paying for potential here, though, with Keller right mm-hmm. now. Yes. Um, and I guess what is... I like the fact that they're signing their own players that they are developing. I mean, we've seen teams around the league draft players towards the top of the first round and they start to get good and they lose them or whatever. The Coyotes seem now to be pretty committed to, even if they didn't draft guys, I mean, Nick Schmaltz is still young. A guy like Keller signed. You mentioned Dvorak is signed and Chikrin. And they're getting all these guys signed for the, uh, for the long haul, which is what you have to do. If you're not going to get that franchise center, if you're not going to be able to draft Austin Matthews or Connor McDavid or Jack Hughes or whoever... You have to you have to develop your guys and then keep them long term. So I like what they're doing, but this is more of just a philosophical question. How many times do we hear like, oh, okay, out of I don't know five first round picks, you're hoping three of them hit or something? They've now they've now signed four of these guys long term. When you're actually signing them, they all need to hit, right? Yeah, but but you've got a lot bigger body of evidence to judge their potential by that point. It's not it's not like you're talking about an eighteen year or nineteen year old prospect at this point they've seen apparently enough of them to to lock them up to these and we've, we've talked about some of these deals too like you look at Dvorak's deal the AAV is that of a third line center right that that's where he slots Nick yep. Schmaltz really is the AAV of a, a second line center so in some ways these deals make sense but I, mean, I, I get what you're saying Luke I, I think they have more evidence to base these these deals on than they they would have for a prospect, but I'm not yeah. saying it's wrong. I'm just saying yeah. you have to hit on all of them. Yes, but this is the new NHL. This is, we're in a brave new world for RFAs. They are not sitting around and waiting and taking bridge deals, taking three-year deals. Right. They're not going to do this anymore. Top players, or even the second tier of top players, aren't going to do this anymore. And if we have seen anything over the last few years of free agency, even though it's all been like that, is the overpays for mediocre or mid-tier players is out of this world. So you're not going to find those pieces that you want at a reasonable price. To me, you know, you start looking at all these deals, as, and, and, and the Cardis didn't sign this deal, and this guy came in a trade, so it's not a one-to-one. But you've been paying Derek Stepan $6.5 million a year. I don't find any issue with then paying Nick Schmaltz 5.8, even this year, or Christian Dvorak 4.4, even this year. And those deals should, if those players progress, continue, and the cap progresses, continue to get better along the way. Yeah. There is inherent risk in signing a player to an eight-year deal, especially a player that, at least in my estimation, has motivation issues. But... You also have a player that could start to creep up into double-digit million-dollar-per-year territory if they hit their potential sometime in the next eight years. And now you don't have to worry about that long-term. And the reality is, and, and the, the cold reality of the sport is, if Chaika's wrong, he won't be around long enough for it exactly to be a problem right. for him. Yeah, and we've made that point recently. You, his recent moves, really all of his moves last year, and now this one, you can throw that in, these will define his tenure and decide whether... 
people view him favorably or he's looking for a job. But I, I mean, again, I, maybe I sound like a broken record, but I like the fact that he's he's going all in on one. Sure, and you have decision. to do that, right? You can't be wishy washy. You can't just be in the middle and hope you hang around for an extra two or three years. Like, I mean, if you, if you want to be the GM and you want to be successful, you, you have to in, inherit some risk. Um, this is starting to become, players are starting to become like coaches where you just can't let, well, unless you're Barry Trotz, you just can't let them go into their last year of their deal yeah. anymore. You yeah. just absolutely cannot. Whether you have rights to them or not, you're just not. Although half the league just did with all their RFAs. Yeah, and, and, and look what happened. Yeah. That's look such what a happened. card in all this, right? Uh, again, we're, we're seeing the market completely reshape right now. So I, I don't think a lot of GMs right now have a blueprint for what to do. They're still building that blueprint it, it's confusing out there right now here I, I have two questions for all you guys and then we'll move on to the, the metro preview uh, one on any level does keller's deal impact marner or any of these current rfas no 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 because i think they would the, the top guys are going to make significantly more than this and i i really don't think this sets the market for them you mean the guys right now they're yeah. holding yeah. Out. yeah yeah i don't know I, I don't know maybe i'm just wondering if any of those guys are ever going to sign with the season the preseason starts in less <laughs> it than is two crazy weeks. Huh? yeah uh, the other one, okay, so you've got Dvorak, Keller, Chikrin, and Schmaltz. We agree those are the four. I mean, Oliver signed, but they already know what they have. So those four guys are the ones that they have decided these are our, our young core and we're going to lock these guys up for a long time. Which one of those, in your mind, is the least risky and which one do you think is the most risky now that they have all four of them signed? Well, I think the least risky is Jacob Chikrin. Uh, at that number, at his position, at his age, his skill level, I, I think his floor is a second-pairing left defenseman, mm-hmm. which, by the way, you could pay $4.6 million, uh, most of the teams in this league do. There's no real issue there. I think there's a ton of upside. Especially like a couple years out, you're paying yeah. four point six for I mean, I mean, a second pair left. Yeah, and that's, and that's if he's a. And again, he might be a second pair. And I put that in air quotes because of Oliver Ekman Larson. But I mean, production wise, that's yeah. his. That's his floor. I think unless he continues to get massive injuries, which he always seems to bounce back from. I mean, I, I guess the biggest risk would be Clayton Keller because yep. he's a wing and he's a player that if he has seasons more like he just had is a going to be worth a lot less than his contract. But I also think he's the only player on your roster with point per game upside. Yeah, Christian Dvorak's contract, while it's six years in length, but he is a center. There are a lot of things that he can do. And that, that's not a prohibitive number, especially it's a really good when, number. Yeah, actually. when you put it out a few years. So I, I, I'm with Jamie completely on those two choices. Yeah, I think I would, I would say the same. I mean, Chickren has the upside, too, where if he becomes a number one defenseman, you're paying him $4.6 million a year. That's that's absurd. So just the fact, by by the nature that Schmaltz and Dvorak are both making significantly less than Keller and both play center, I would say I would say Keller's probably the uh, the riskiest one. For context, Sebastian Ajo's making, what, $8.4 million a year now? So, I, I mean, if, you, if you're just looking, and Craig and I were talking about this off the air, you can't just compare it to what other guys around the league are making because... Clayton Keller is now making more than Nathan McKinnon, I believe. He's the highest paid Coyotes forward. So that tells you where they, they believe he is right yeah. now. His potential is right now. Until, of course, Austin Matthews comes here in five years, as all of Toronto <laughs> believes is going to happen now. Yeah, wait, are they, What's your fault, Craig? Are they still going to have enough uh, cap space for Austin Matthews in five years? I think they are, right? Yeah, they will. I like the fact, I, I can't say this enough, that they are willing to spend money and pay their own guys. It, it's And I think that you keep bringing that up, but that's an extremely good point because the Coyotes are a team that you need to start establishing a culture around you, we, we draft guys, if they perform for us, we pay those guys, we reward them for being there, and becoming a, a destination for the key free agent here or there. You, the, the narrative around this team has changed so much in the last few years. And yes, part, a big part of it is getting stable ownership now. But, but that was only the last two months. But you need to start establishing this, okay, 
we draft we're we're doing better drafting players again it was not a high bar for them to clear considering what the last couple of regimes were but you, you were drafting players then they're having success here and then we're paying them and they continue to have success now that last little piece we still need to see but Everything else along the way, that's how you establish good team culture. And by the way, that's how you establish long-term success for your team, where you're not just kind of popping up and falling back down, popping up and falling back down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the next order of business for them doesn't have to come till next summer now, really, right? I mean, I guess it would be Hinnestroza yeah, or Fisher. Yeah, I'm not sure where their thinking is on Hinnestroza. I don't know that there's urgency there. You can and wait Christian, and see. Yeah, you can. And Christian Fisher, you, sh- you should wait and see at this point. So they're they're in a good spot in terms of the guys that they feel are – their core pieces. They're all locked up. They were always going to have to get Keller signed. I mean, that's not that's not something you want to take till next July and, and have it get contentious, as we've seen with a lot of other teams around the league. It's just a matter of uh, if you feel like the numbers or the term or the timing are right. And that's going to be debated on the Internet, I'm sure. Um, Seb, I feel like you've been quiet. What do you what do you want to tell us? Well, I do agree with a lot of what Jamie said. Never mind then. Never speak. Yeah. Okay. I'll be quiet. <laughs> no, but I, the reality is that, you know, those 65 points, that has to be his floor now. Like, you can't really go below that. I know yeah. that, and a lot of people forget that the cap has risen, it's rising, it's probably going to continue to rise. So percentage-wise, it's not what it was three years ago. Or people like, oh, but he's making $7 million and, and yeah, but it's different now. Yeah. But, yeah, that floor has to be around that 65-point mark. Yeah, I mean, he's got to be the best forward. Yeah. And maybe, maybe, it doesn't mean he leads the team in scoring this year, but over the course of the next five years, he needs to be the leading scorer over those years combined. Uh, like we said, no real updates on any of the RFAs out there. Seattle hiring Rick Olchek as the assistant GM. Friend of the show. Yeah. Rick Olchek. Our, and a good man. The reach of the Natty Hattie is starting it's to. It's impressive, huh? Yeah. We, we we had the uh, we had the entire uh, we had the GM and the assistant GM in place long ago in Seattle. We, we did. We had both the names. We should just sponsor that team. They should sponsor us. We obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, never mind. Somebody should sponsor us. <laughs> uh, Justin Williams stepping away from the NHL for now. For now, what does this mean? This what means this he. Mean? This I'm, means he's back in like, the trade deadline. Yeah, like this means <laughs> I don't, like I, I don't want to go to camp. Hockey. Yeah, this feels like the. Mike I don't want to go to deal. camp. I don't want to play these October games. I'll come but back I will for play the game. Playoff hockey. Does anyone well, want to deny me that opportunity? Well, the Hurricanes might deny him that opportunity because they're probably not a playoff team. <laughs> oh, oh, so he might we'll come get back, to that in a moment. Come back for the stretch run. That's all nice and all. Previewing the Metro. Jamie, do you see how loud Dustin Williams will sign a contract before Game Seven? Jamie would like to apologize to everybody for yelling so loud that he just broke the computer. Let me just... Okay. Uh, Put your headphones in. Apparently, yeah, when you get Jamie talking about Justin Williams and the Carolina Hurricanes, which we're going to do, all uh, bets are off. Nicholas Cronwell, retiring. Yep. Yep. How do you say his name in Swedish? Niklas Kronvall. Yeah, see, that's not how I said it. I I feel so American and uncultured now. All right, we going to get into this? Yeah, we should. How about we... uh, I, I hesitate to do this, but Craig put it in the notes. Sebastian, how do you feel about IPAs? Oh, oh I, okay. I don't like them. Oh, uh, okay. Yep. That's why you're on the show. Yeah. <laughs> that almost makes up for Jamie, agreeing with Jamie. You shared this, so I'm I'm going to give you the floor here to explain to those who drink IPAs why they're basically uncultured. Try to keep it under nine thousand decibels. Go ahead. So don't scream this. Uh, no. So I found this nice little article to send uh, to Craig about why people like or dislike IPAs. And apparently the, the verdict is those who like IPAs have a, what is it, a less sophisticated or less developed taste buds. Yes. That's that, it. That, that, is the, uh, that is the difference. So that is music 
to Craig's ears, who has extremely developed taste buds, apparently. This yes. feels like a I have veiled, refined taste buds. <laughs> a veiled mm. shot. I once saw you eat Burger King as we started a show. It's, not, um, it's just hurtful to and bring then that up. It was like a year and a half ago. Oh, it was like almost three years ago. Now. That, yeah. um, I wouldn't have made a big deal out of it if you didn't make such a big deal out of trying to hide it. Uh, this feels like this whole article feels like a veiled shot at somebody that maybe has been on this show before and isn't here to defend himself right now. Named Matt. That's, that's a good point. Okay. <laughs> right. We'll call him Codename Matt. Codename Matt. All right, let's. Uh, we're going to do a division preview starting this week for each of the next four weeks. Then we'll do an extensive one on the Coyotes the week leading into the start of the season. And we have a guest. Starts, rookie camp starts tomorrow. Yeah, we're going to talk to uh, Arthur Staple of The Athletic at the end of today's show to preview the Islanders, who are oddly one of the more intriguing teams in this division. But, sure. Uh, well, <laughs> Jamie won't be here for the interview after that, sure. uh, that comment. New York Rangers, who I think are the most intriguing team in this division. So let's start there. Rebuild is uh, over, I would say. Yeah, how do you... Uh, is it even fair to call it a rebuild anymore Not with Capo Kako or Temi Panarin and Jacob Truba in the fold? That's a pretty good offseason. It's a pretty good way to end a rebuild. Uh, but, yeah, I think it's still a rebuild because there's no guarantee they're a playoff team. I think they are. But we need to see everything come together for this team. But, boy, this is – I mean, could you come up with a better offseason season? For any team than what the Rangers were no. able yeah. to do, and they got some pieces. luck in there too. Of course they did with the number, getting the number two pick there, signing Panarin for a ton of money, Truba trade, which was uh, which was nothing. Truba trade, Truba trade. trade, which we did not expect coming into it, and that was th- smart. Th- that's that might be their biggest move for year one, because I think showing up that blue line is huge. Again, yeah. our Tommy Panarin Capocacco will be great for them for a long time, but well, I'm just trying it's a I huge mean, upgrade th- for. Going from Pionk to Truba. The move, really, you think? A huge upgrade. The move, huge. The move to bring in uh, Mika Zibanejad a couple years ago, I, mm-hmm. I think, is is their their first step towards, I, I mean, they're, maybe they're not a playoff team this year, but they're going to be back here soon enough. And hopefully, I kind of hope they, they are able to do it in time for Henrik Lundqvist to have one more run. But if you look at Zibanejad, he's got to be one of the most underrated players in the NHL at this point. $5.3 million a year to play center the way he plays center. And I'm glad you brought him up because I want to look specifically at the center position on this team. Beyond him, how do you feel about the center position on the Rangers? And is is that enough to push them over the playoff threshold in the Eastern Conference? Are you saying having a Strom as the center? Well, I know that up as a concern. There is that. Oh, okay. I mean, to make the playoffs, I think they can make the playoffs with the team they have now, whether they do it this year or next year. They need more depth at center, though. Yes, they do. They're not, you're not winning a cup with that. With Ryan Strom lineup. With Ryan Strom is your second line center. No, I mean I like Philip Chittle, but like I like him. I don't love him. I mean like you like like him. Or yeah. Well, no, I don't like him, like him. Like him. I just like him. Oh, should we pass him a note or what? Yeah. Okay. I want to get Seb's thoughts on uh, Capo Caco because this is I'm going to put him in the say un- it again. Well, I want to hear him say just it first of all. Oh yeah, how do you say Capo Caco? It's like Seb's just a prop on the show. Well, pronounce names. Well, the thing is too that you know Finnish listeners might not like my Finnish. You know, we don't have Finnish listeners. You not never know. We, you never know. You have no idea what kind of yeah. Yeah. we have. We're huge but, in Norway. I mean, we would say Cap- not Finland. Capo Caco. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. So Wait, one more time. I'm sorry. Capo Caco. It's not as. I mean, it's not exciting. We were talking before we started recording. I would pronounce it better. Oh, verbata. Radim. We should have Seb uh, and Radim. We should have Radim Verbata call in and just have, have Seb and Verbata just go back and forth on discussing yeah. how to pronounce names. No, but I mean, as far as um, we were talking about uh, before we started recording, Jonas uh, Korpisalo. You know, that's yeah. very Finnish. Very, showing off. It's yeah, very yeah. like melodic in his name. Uh, and that's what you get with some of the Soothing. Finns. 
Yeah, really. You, you just have a tape. You want a corpisalo. That's a drop. Yeah, there you go. So no, but I mean, they had a phenomenal summer, but I feel like the Devils are kind of up there too. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot of the teams at the mid to low level of the East last year got better, which I think is going to be the biggest reason why there's going to be this whole mess come playoff time. Yeah. Because a lot of the well, top teams got a little worse, but not super worse. No. And yeah. the teams underneath them got a little bit better. So yeah. we're in this kind of weird I mean, there, range. There's where, only one team that really fell off, and that's Columbus. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the Penguins well, are going to fall off. Well, Luke would beg to differ with you, yes. But, but have they fallen off enough to not make the playoffs? I don't know about that. They've fallen off enough that they're probably going to get swept in the first round again. Let's but ask Luke. How do you feel about Brandon Tanev as your big offseason oh, Luke, Luke is, is pulling his ducks from under the desk. Oh, I've got, I brought three this time. <laughs> Wait, we're not to the Penguins yet, though. Let's finish no, the Rangers. No. It was just a reference like the bell, you know? Yeah. Okay. I, I think the Rangers are a wild card team. That's what I think they are. They're not a cup contender. It's currently constructed. They still need help on the blue line. They still need help down the middle. Uh, there's still a lot of question marks on the wings, especially if Chris Kreider ends up getting moved at some mm-hmm. point. So, yes, they're a team that's going to be in contention. They have, Their top line is awesome. Getting Jacob Trouba is awesome. Lundqvist will be awesome until he's 50. But there are still a lot of holes when it comes to this team actually winning playoff rounds. Well, I mean, that's, that's the thing, too, with Chris Kreider. It's like, do you... What do you do here? Because yeah. I, I, I could see that they don't want to be the team that signs that next contract. But do you just... If you're in contention for a wild card spot, you just keep him as a you you know your own rental. But that's why I I think it's not fair to say this rebuild's over because I don't think you're operating as if you're a cup contender yet. No. And if you can get a return for Chris Kreider that you you don't believe he's the future of your team or he asked for more money than you want to give him, then you can't. Then you could sacrifice losing in the first round of the playoffs this year to get a return that's going to help you down the road. So yeah. I, don't, I don't think you're operating as a contender yet. So, I get, it, but, but if they're in a playoff position, you can't make that move, right? You can't trade Chris Kreider. It depends the, what the he's de- doing, right? I mean, but, if he's well, not really helping what, you. It depends on what the offer is, too. Yeah. Mm. You're right, though. You're right. I mean, It's a tough deal to make. It's a tough deal to sell if, if you're in a playoff position and you say goodbye to Chris Kreider. And I get what you're saying because the, the, the logical move, the smart move, is probably to move him yeah. if the return is there because he's going to be 29 by the end of the season. So... What's he going to want in terms of term? In terms of term. In terms of term. In terms of term. And that's the thing, too. How does that affect the locker room? Because we've seen right? we've seen when some players leave close to the deadline, they're like, what are you doing? Yeah. And it's New York, too. I mean, good luck. You, you explained to that fan base you were rebuilding a year and a half ago, and they, mm-hmm. they were in on it, I guess. Good luck explaining to them, hey, we're in a playoff spot. We're going to go ahead and play for next year. That's also year. why you got to right. move the guy before the season if you're going to do it. One, open up your options. Yeah, because you agree with that. You're not trading Chris Carter to a non-contender at the deadline. Like That's just not going to happen to you. That's true. Move him now. Everybody will forget about it by the time the season gets yes. going. And maybe that's why we saw so much in, in terms of rumors. See, I'm going back mm-hmm. to the interim well. In terms of terms? Like that. Yeah, in, in, terms ter- of terms, term in terms terms. of rumors. But they didn't move him. They haven't moved him yet. I suppose you could still, but... No. But did you think it was... Their- away. I want to ask you guys, was it right for them to buy out Shattenkirk or should they have bought out someone else? I, I don't. I still don't fully understand the Shattenkirk buyout just because it gave them almost no money. I know it gave them just enough to sign some RFAs, but I mean, I feel like there's another way you can clear half a million dollars of cap space. Yeah. But it's not like Shattenkirk's going to be the. I mean, I don't know if Shattenkirk has anything left, but. It didn't seem like he had anything left for New York. Like he might have it in, in Tampa now, but he. In the regular season, anyway. <laughs> I mean, that's going to be a good spot for him. You know, third pairing yeah. in, in Tampa. Oh, yeah, no, he's absolutely worth the risk. Yeah. I will say this. I talked to, I won't throw his name out there, but I talked to a 
former NHL player extensively yesterday, and he convinced Mario me that, that Tampa. He convinced me to to not write off Tampa for this season. Why? Why won't you mention? Wow, that's great great analysis. No, because I mean we've all been kind of I'm going through that. I'm still going to pick them to win their first round matchup. This is a bit. Well, if you pick them to win, if it's not a bit. <laughs> if you say it's a bit, you just broke the bit. <laughs> Do I have to break down our show bits to you? Like that's a, it's a bit. We, um, if you're going to pick them to win in the first round, then why would you stop at that point? I never said I would. Oh, you're picking Tampa to win the cup? I didn't say that. What are you saying? <laughs> I'm saying that it's it's. <laughs> I'm saying that I think they, they, they're still going to... The mess that was this year will not continue. Is it like still part of the bit? No. Oh, okay. I would just... It, they're, his... they're, they're clearly a cup contender. I know we keep, we keep making the jokes that they, they, they're going to get swept out of the first round, but do you really believe they're going to get swept out of the first round? Again? I don't know what to believe no. anymore. But I will say that this particular former player's logic... This particular former player... Was, right, so what does Steve Eisenman say? Was, um, <laughs> it would have been worse for Tampa if they had lost in like an excruciating Game 7 in the first round. They did that two years ago. I know. But it wasn't in the first round, though. But he Would it have saying, been worse? Poll question. Which former NHL player did Luke, Luke refuse to name drop? Well, it wasn't Nikita Kucherov. Shane Doan. I'll start. I'll Claude just start Lemieux. there. It was Claude Lemieux. <laughs> All right, we got it. We're thirty <laughs> minutes in, and we're one. We're one team that through. Poker face. That's How impressive. About New Jersey. The Great off season. Te- yeah. Great off season should be a playoff team. Uh, oh, really? Playoff yes. team. Yes. Ooh. Have you been in New Jersey? Yes. Really? Yes. How did you feel about I'm it? Sorry. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it's better than the wound care center. It's better than Craig. <laughs> no. Um, Jack Hughes, I mean, both these teams we've talked about were fortunate enough to land the first two picks in the draft, but Jack Hughes, where does he fall on the... Oh, you even used the word continuum in the notes, and I was going to say continuum. Look at that. That's adorable. Uh, We should also point out, again, just to set up the show, Craig did the notes. I brought the coffee, spilled some in my car again. Did you spill mine in the car? No. Mine seems to be the one. I cleaned up Seb's Oh, so that's just black coffee, so that's good for him, for the car, that it's not a bunch of sugar and stuff. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I just started dumping it on the seat just because I could. Uh, Sebastian flew here basically from Sweden over the last four or five days. And Jamie, well, why don't you tell us what you're contributing, Jamie? When I know, you guys will be the first to know. (laughs) Okay, so where does Jack Hughes fall in the Connor McDavid, Austin Matthews, Jack Eichel continuum. Well, we're being kind Third. to Jack Eichel putting him on that Third, list. yeah, I was going to Third, say. between no. Matthews and Eichel. What? So it, so it goes McDavid one, yeah. Matthews two, Jack Hughes three, then like a gap. That was my hand hitting the table. <laughs> that just it. blew up the uh, computer. No, it no. didn't actually. And then Jack Eichel. Upper body injury, though, for James. Jack Eichel's still good, but he's not in the. He's definitely not in the McDavid-Matthews tier. And Hughes, I can't put him up with those two guys yet, but he's closer to them than I think he is to Eichel. Where would you put a guy like Barzal? In that group, it's a good question. Yeah, it's a good question, Luke. I don't have an answer for you. That's how you answer question. your question. It doesn't. <laughs> Let's talk about terms. I love of terms. Matthew Barzal. He's got ridiculous skills yeah. in tight spaces. Uh, I'm amazed at the way he can handle the puck and hang on to the puck. Do you remember the game? Um, we're getting way afield here. We, I fine. probably shouldn't that, even bring show. it up. But Do it. the game at the really Coliseum last year. We're going to save time when we get to Lebrushkin Carolina. absolutely leveled him behind the net after he was dancing around players. He just got right back up and got the puck again. Yeah. What was that like game? So you were? Yeah. You guys were all at that game, huh? Yep. Yeah. Oh, Rick Olchek was there, too. Huh. Oh, Synchronicity. And now he's the assistant GM well, Neither of one of you are the GM of Seattle. Seb might be the president, I don't know, at some point. Swedish scouting. <laughs> the head of Swedish scouting? Yeah. That wouldn't actually be a bad job in the NHL. No, I'll take it. Uh, Taylor Hall, PK, well, Taylor Hall back, P.K. Subban, and Wayne Simmons added to the team. I think this is going to be a fun team. And this was a team that was in the playoffs two years ago. They took, uh, as I asked you, uh, is this uh, the classic case of nonlinear progression? Yeah, they might be the new flames. 
yep. in that sense of look. I love their top two lines. Uh, I think Nikita Gusev is going to be an interesting addition for them. Mm-hmm. Wayne Simmons isn't the player he was a few years ago, but he's a, he's in a great spot to have success. He's such an Eastern Conference player. It's like not even funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and look, depth down the middle, which they have now. You can move Zajac and Zaka down the lineup. I That blue line isn't great, but this was the worst blue line in hockey three years ago. <laughs> I remember talking about it. They I think didn't we did even have enough that. NHL defensemen. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was like Ben Lovejoy was your leader, and then a few other guys that looked up to Ben Lovejoy. Yeah, and yeah. now like that, the top pairing is really good. And you got it's Hughes, okay. Hichier, Zajac. That's, that, they have good depth, yeah. yeah. Like all of a sudden, Subban's like, here. Subban, I mean, the top, the top defense, in. I, I mean, I, I think their blue line's okay. Now. Yeah, it's now middle of the pack. This was the worst blue line in hockey three years ago. So, what about goaltending? What did happen to Corey Schneider? <laughs> yeah, what, I don't, did, I don't what think, did happen? I think he'll come back and be decent. I think I mean, he's got a good team in front of him. It's going to be Blackwood. You think really? Yeah. Wow. I don't know if I believe in Schneider anymore. I loved Corey Schneider. In you really did. I loved him. You wrote him notes. Re- remember when Corey? Remember when? Vancouver had two awesome goaltenders and they ended up with none. That was fun. Yep. <laughs> Remember the game Corey Schneider had here where they had like 96 chances? Yes. Yeah. That was like his last stand. Did he give up one goal in that game or did he get a shutout? I don't even remember. I think he, one or none. It was I, insane. I think he gave up one. I don't know. But it was a, it was one of the more absurd. Like the ice was actually, I think, tilted yeah. towards one end. Right. And, and he the, it was unfazed. The devils were arranged like five guys around the crease. Yeah. That's all they did the entire game. <laughs> I just remember the Coyotes after that game being like, I don't think we'd change anything we did. It, and we still lost. Yeah. Um, Nikita Gusev, you, you super interesting. Yeah? yeah, yeah, I think so too. I mean, he might not be at Panarin level, but uh, it's going to be a really interesting to see him get a, a proper shot here. Yeah, yeah. I think it was kind of weird that they brought him over and then didn't play him in Vegas. Yeah, that was weird. Vegas is Vegas has done some odd things, and yet they keep coming out ahead. So yeah, I'm still really pissed matter. at them for Shipashov. Yeah. Oh yeah, that I was like forgot about that. Yeah, it does a similar move where you bring was, the guy in. And he that never was plays. stranger because they didn't have as much forward depth at the time. Shipashov was over here. They had more forward depth last year. Like oh with, yeah, so I I got a little bit why maybe it was harder for Gusev to cl- crack the lineup that first year made no sense. Yeah, yeah. did Gusev have eighty two points in the K last year? Is that what it was? That's why you can wear number ninety seven. Crazy. There you go. <laughs> Can't believe you. Okay, moving on. Number. All right, let's uh, let's move on to the Capitals. Um, they're like the least interesting this team. Is the really team. They, they, this is the boring good team. This is the boring Are they still cup contenders in your mind? No. Legitimate cup contenders. Not like, oh, are they a good team? They're a very so good team. So you're asking, did Richard Ponick put them over the top? I, that's basically yes in, okay. in uh, different I'm, words. I'm going to go with no. Brooks like, Orpik retiring helps. <laughs> it hurts the Penguins, though, because he really helped the Penguins when he was on the Capitals a couple years there. He helped the Penguins when he was on the Penguins back in the day. Just feels like they're trying to ride the core again, doesn't it? That, yeah. See, how, see where it goes. Um, and, of course, the Evgeny Kuznetsov thing, which we discussed. It's a weird look for the NHL, isn't it? Just, yeah. It's not great. What's happening here? So is that just kind of, are we done there with him? Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. I like, look, any team in the Metro can be a cup contender because you're going to get a pretty easy path to the conference final. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, so I, I guess I, in that sense, yes, because you only have you might only have to play one exceptional team to get to the cup so in that way washington is but they're not in the same class as the top three teams in the atlantic was this the worst team in the, or i'm sorry the worst division last year the metro yeah which was weird because they had the previous three cup winners but they i think top to bottom were just kind of i mean th- like if you look at their point totals you wouldn't think that but just like the repeatability of what the islanders did and yeah i think the penguins were frauds and the pacific's the other contender right yeah true I mean, I, I, the only reason I bring that up is because I think the Metro will be better this year 
So I'm just trying to to go in with a baseline of where they were last year. Yeah. I think they were the fourth division, I would say. But the pro- but they have they're the best example of what's happened in the East, where their teams that were like the Islanders are going to come back down a little bit, probably a lot of bit. Uh, Penguins are come back down a little bit. You've got the Devils. You've got the Columbus Rangers. Going to crash. So like you're in this weird spot where the division as a whole might be slightly better, but the two and three teams aren't really going to be any better. Like the path for the Capitals is going to still be really simple for them. Yeah, they're still the team to beat. I guess in the in division, this, in absolutely, division. they still are. I don't think it's that close, to be honest with you. I feel like they. I agree with you, but I feel like they are. It, it's dangerous in 2019 to just kind of stick with the same team. They're they're and just be like, oh, we're we're fine. They're what the Cleveland Indians were the last couple of years, where they are just so clearly better than everybody in the division that you have to consider them a contender. And then they go up against teams that are significantly better than them in the postseason. And they get boat raced. Yeah. That's what's going to happen here. Do we have to talk about the Penguins? Uh, yes. <laughs> You right. do, specifically. Well, Craig's first note is, feels unnecessary. What can Brandon Tanev and Dominic Cahoon bring that we are all missing? Um, the coffee. I'm hoping, I'm hoping Cahoon can bring something. Is it possible Tanev is just like... Don't, don't do this. No, okay. Don't do this. I'm not even going to try. You don't are even you trying to convince this? yourself? Is that what's no, about to happen I'm here? just trying to convince myself that maybe there's a path to him scoring 16 goals and it still being a terrible deal but once they drop the puck he's not like a liability on the ice your hope is that he goes on like a max talbot playoff run and just gets hot for the right two weeks like that that's what you're hoping for because the deal's terrible no the deal is terrible <laughs> that that is indisputable in fact i'm going to squeak this unnamed penguin but is Did it you possible name that penguin rick morin <laughs> no why would I, I need to name a lot of these you remember the yeah. brandon ten of uh tirade we got yes he started this he did he started it all yeah and I remember saying I have no interest in Brandon Tanov on any team I follow, and the next day the Penguins signed him. Mm-hmm. Um, no, I don't expect much from them. How about the Kessel for uh, Galchenyuk trade? I, I mean, I've been preaching on the show that I don't think the swap is, is the talent swap for one year is going to be that big of a difference for either team. It's going to be somewhat of a difference. Talent or production? Production, I okay. should say. Uh, the production difference is going to be that much different. It's going to be a little less for Pittsburgh, and it's going to be a little bit more for Arizona, but I don't think it's going to be this massive drop that people, I think, would, they just looked at their names, would think it would be. Alex Virginia playing with Evgeny Malkin is going to score 30 goals. Like, I'm, I'm just, if he stays healthy, he's going to score 30 goals. Are you setting the number at 30? Yes. 30 goals? I've said this, I said this all offseason. This shouldn't shock anybody. I'm taking the under on that. 30 goals. If, I, if you taking get 70 under. plus games from Galchenyuk and he's playing with Malkin, he'll score 30 goals. I'm writing this down. Write it down. I'm not sure. Here, let's, well, since you, Jamie did it. A lot of stickies going over there, don't seven, you? Yeah, and I've just been throwing them one, all away one, after I ran Oh, okay. I thought you were sticking goals. them to the Ducks. Now, if it starts playing with Nick Bukestad, then it's going to be a problem. Anything goes. Brandon Tanev. More duck abuse going on over there. No, I took care of the Ducks. Let them all out of the house Pressing today. The so Luke doesn't seem like taking care of him. Luke, we were talking about the Devils, you know, and their defense now looking pretty good. Yeah, Penguins defense. Don't mm. don't do this. Yeah, let's talk about the Penguins. <laughs> Go, Seb. You have the floor. I mean, you got Chris Letang, and then you got yep, basically yep. You got Chris Letang. Nothing. We got Jack Johnson. Jackie, what do you think about Jack Johnson? No, it, these Ducks are going to get. We should just never have done this preview. Jackie doesn't talk anymore. Jack I mean, Schultz, I guess, can do a little bit, but this is far from what we saw a couple of years ago. Um, well, when they won, who did they beat? Was it Nashville the year that they really didn't have much defense then either? Yeah. And I almost feel like they they 
they overachieved in the sense that Crosby and Malkin and like Benino and Kessel and Latang just dis- no Latang actually missed yeah, a lot yeah. of that. Yeah. Uh, those guys just dragged them to a cup, and it's almost like Rutherford decided defense isn't important in 2019. <laughs> My biggest frustration with this this uh, this team is obviously not up front. It's if you look at the blue line, like Sebastian just said, it's shaky, and Pittsburgh seems to think it's amazing. So that yeah. makes me worry that it's not ever going to change. Well, and when Chris Letang's not on the ice, which sometimes happens, he gets yes, hurt. it's a disaster. Like, it, look, they have enough high end talent. It's the same formula we've talked about with this team for a number of years now. They have such high end talent that they're always going to have a high floor. There's only so bad a Sidney Crosby of Guinea Malkin team can possibly be. But this is no longer a cup contending team. They don't have any depth. And what we absolutely can't, and I don't know that we'll even be in this scenario, but if Crosby is up for the Hart Trophy, we cannot ever again hear that argument of, well, but yeah, but look at the team he plays on. If Crosby's up for the Hart Trophy and the Penguins are up for first place in the Metro, it is because of Sidney Crosby. Like, even Malkin hasn't been real consistent lately, and they don't have Kessel anymore. So, we'll see. But that blue line, I mean, I kind of like Brian Dumoulin if I... If I purposely forget everything he did in the playoffs last year he's not the problem he it's was just, in the playoffs well, yes but he's not the problem in general in the big picture it's the whole blue line and i really think it's that uh, that attitude of you no know, jack johnson and eric goodbranson are going to save our blue line which makes me think the next time you have to make a move you're gonna purposely get worse and say it's better why are we talking about the penguins yeah let's move on carolina carolina Try without not to yell, justin Jamie. williams yeah yeah, that, and that's who knows how much that'll be missed in the locker room. But my biggest question is, can that goaltending situation really pan out for another season? And now they've got James Reimer instead with, with Peter Morozik. But can that really work as well as it did last season? I have my doubts. That, that's where my biggest concern is. It, it's I, I like their top line. I actually Their blue line isn't bad. I know Dougie Hamilton's not the player that he was a few years ago, but it's not bad. They can get by with, the, with their top four as is. They have some. I like Eric Haller. I think that's a big addition for them down the middle there. If he plays there or Ryan Dezingle stays on the wing. Those are two good additions. My, my concern for this team is that their style is predicated on at least getting decent goaltending because mm-hmm. they're going to they're, they're gonna put everything on net but the chances they give up the other way are just spectacular. And if they if they get bolt sub average goaltending again, I don't I think with the other teams coming up in the east, I think this is one of those teams that's going to be a 90 plus point team that's on the outside looking in. Yeah, we all seem to think that there's going to be a lot more playoff turnover in the east than the west, is that fair? Just mm, among yes. teams getting yep. in uh that that weren't in last year. But with Carolina and the Islanders specifically, after what they did last year, which which one do you think has a has a better chance of sustaining that this year? Carolina, because I really? think the Islanders just their, their goal. Te- I just can't. I, I trot is awesome, but I cannot possibly imagine they get that level of goaltending again. I just can't see it. See, I I got more faith in Barry Trotz. Yeah, I do too. I just yeah, I just I, I don't look at the at anybody on Carolina's roster and think like, oh, you know what? In tough times, he'll carry them. Other than Aho, I mean Aho's. Oh, that was impressive. And again, because I referenced him earlier in the show and said he's making $8.4 million a year, he also just scored 30 goals and had 83 points last yeah. season, too. I mean, he is he is a legitimate star in this league, and he was supposed to be. That's not like some fluke that came out of nowhere, but I would be pretty worried about Carolina this year. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I wouldn't be surprised to see a regression here. Um, I would be more worried about the next team, though. Columbus, who Oof. I'm going to turn this over to Sebastian. How yep. many how many games did you cover last year? Like oh, you're there a lot, right? Yeah, I was probably there for at least half of all the home games and then uh, playoffs. 
that's okay. going to be and that's uh, how many players they also lost in the offseason pretty much yeah, yeah. Okay. it was it was rough I mean Jarmo Kekalainen you know decided to go all in he got the green light from ownership and did what he could really I mean bringing in Duchesne I think was a that was a good you know sort of gamble Zingle didn't pan out he was poor he was really, really poor. So it's it's kind of interesting to see if we loop back to Carolina and see what he can do there. But, yeah, I mean, losing Panarin, Bobrovsky, Duchesne, um, and then you only bring in one really established player in Gustav Nyquist. Who? Gustav Nyquist. <laughs> I'm more encouraged by Gustav Nyquist's... Uh, That's not his name, Luke. No, Gus. Gus Nyquist. <laughs> That's what we should have. Yeah. Sebastian comes on and says things in an American accent. Yeah. Uh, I'm more in, encouraged by Nyquist's upside after hearing Sebastian say his name the right way. Mm-hmm. But when you when you no, say, he's a solid player, but yeah. it's just he's not that star. He's not going to go in and replace the production of a Panarin. He, he's not Panarin combined with Bobrovsky and Duchesne and no. Zingle. He's one of the most overrated wingers in the game. So we, the people's ideas of Gustav Nyquist ever since his rookie season have always been greater than the actual player you get. So you're saying Nyquist is one of the most overrated in this division. I'm saying Zabinajad's one of the most underrated. Yeah, Zabinajad's, Zabinajad's a superstar and that nobody talks about. So Swedish players are either underrated or overrated. True. There we go. There, there are no yeah. just rated. Nope. I'm not even going to say his name because I'm mispronouncing it. So Who? The back of That guy you just talked about. Gus? Gus. Okay. Gus, yeah. Gus. Gus. <laughs> How about Elvis? <laughs> All right. Seb, give us, of all the names. I, I, that's the thing. I, I really have a hard time with this one. Okay. Mertz Likins. Well, mm. I would assume we're going to see him this year. I mean, he's the backup yep. goalie now. Yeah. Well, I, not even that. I mean, it it seems more to be a 1A, 1B type of deal here and see who, who can really take control out of out of those two. So, I mean, we haven't seen much of Corpizalo. But I feel like he should. He'll probably start the season as the number one. Uh, I, I need this is this is the important hard hitting stuff, Sebastian. I, I need to know this. So, how many times this year do you plan inside of your article uh, when the backup goaltender for the Columbus gets pulled? Here it is. You saying Elvis has left the building? Oh, oh God! Wow. Is no. it over under three and a half times this season? Uh, hopefully. And why is it over? Ho- hopefully none. <laughs> why is it over? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to peel back the curtain for a second. Usually when Jamie has something to say, he just jumps in like a bull in a china shop and says it. This time I looked over and he was either signaling that he wanted to say something or you were dancing with just one finger. No, no, I was signaling. Okay. I mean, it's kind of interesting. You know, one of the bullet points here on the notes, you know, they're rookies that are going to be on the roster. Emil Bjemström had a phenomenal season in the (laughs) SHL. So if he can get... Some sort of production there that that would be, you know, much needed for them. But this is going to be a team that's going to have to do it by committee, really. Yeah. And you're going to have to, Seth Jones is going to have to pull this team on his back and be like Norris level good. But he can. I mean, that's he the can. Thing. He's Seth awesome. That good. He is yeah. really really good. He's underrated. Yes. He is very yes. underrated. Completely. Yes, he 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 needs to be in the not only the mix but at the top of the the Norris conversation yeah. going into the year. You also look at players that they deserve, that they need to get more from. Can Alex Wenberg be that player? Can he be that 60-point guy again? Can Boo Jenner touch 30 goals again? I mean, those are two players that completely fell off. Those are two players, by the way, is the reason why Carlson's in Vegas. Because of the production these Mm -hmm. two players had. William Carlson's probably still a blue jacket if it wasn't for these guys. That's the thing, though. I don't think that William Carlson would have ever gotten that role if he stayed in Columbus. Because of the way these guys were producing, but they haven't recently. So can they get back there? I mean, I don't, I don't see a reasonable path to the playoff for this team, but if you're going to strain and try to imagine one that both those players play to the extent they played a couple years ago, Wenski comes into camp, yeah. Seth Jones is, is, is a Norris finalist. Is Wenski coming into camp? 
Well, who knows? I don't know. Yeah. Did you see the Tortorella quote? Mm-hmm. Not that he would be disappointed if he if Wierenski misses any camp, that he would be disgusted. That's <laughs> and that's the other side of this all. If, if Columbus does take this expected dive, yeah. how does Torts handle it? Mm-hmm. Probably I'm sure well, I mean, well. And that's the thing, too. I mean, Calm. Wemberg has not been good in the role that he's been put in, too. And, yeah, you can't really play him higher up the lineup right now because he's not producing. But taking that more defensive role... It's just not suited to his game. 14th overall pick in 2013. 59 points in the 2016-17 season. Last year, he had two goals in yeah. 75 games. It's not great. No. That is mm. Milan Lucic. I think it, if his cap was lower, he would be gone by this point. I think that would be a player that could go somewhere else, have a good bounce back. Yeah. I just don't see it under Tortorella, really. Before we get to Philadelphia, since you you're there, what was it like in Columbus last year when they decided to go all in and make the trades for Duchesne and Dzingel and just kind of say, look, we know and and not trade Panera and Bobrovsky and just say we're going all in on this year? No, it was cool. It was a lot of positive vibes. I think fans bought into it. Uh, that building when they beat Tampa was deafening. Yeah, it was really cool to see, and I, you know, you appreciate that. It's a franchise that hadn't won a, a single playoff round. So yeah. go and do that against a Tampa team that, you know, uh, had most regular season points since Detroit. I mean, that's really impressive. But at the same time, now you got to lower those expectations all the way down again mm-hmm. and really buy in that. You know, all for one playoff series win. Yeah, and see what Yarmo can come up with here. But if we were talking a little bit before we started recording, too, like how how much confidence does ownership have in Yarmo Kekalina now? I mean, it was the most. It was one of the most memorable first round playoff series wins in the last I don't know fifteen years. But you're going to pay for it now. Yeah, it wasn't enough. Yeah. We talked about that at the time too. That they needed to get to the conference final for that to be worth it. Yeah. Uh, let's get to Philadelphia then, and then we'll talk to Arthur Staple about the Islanders uh, after we do listener questions because we've got some Swedish questions for Swedish things with Sebastian. Kevin Hayes, if you want to put this in perspective, is making exactly what Clayton Keller is making now going forward. Keller's still on his ELC uh, this year, but $7.142 million for Kevin Hayes. I think we all would rather have Clayton Keller than Kevin Hayes. I would rather have the seven point something million. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think, I think uh, consensus, about you, Jamie. consensus am right. among Philly fans are, yeah, like, yeah, he's a little bit overpaid, but it's not, yeah, it's not, it's not the end of the world. Yeah, but I mean, they did that last year with Van Riemsdyk, too. I'd rather have Van Riemsdyk than Kevin Hayes. And how many times can you get away with overpaying? There is a salary cap. Yeah. So I don't know when this catches up with Philadelphia. I mean, that's a team that could make the playoffs this year. Yeah, they're a contender, but to me, this is this is the Carter Hart show because yeah, this yes. team is not markedly different than the team they put on the ice last year. The question is, can they get enough goaltending throughout the season to be in that wild card contention? Yeah, you know no. what they are. Their top line's very good. Their second line can score. They have two. They have two good defensemen, and that is it. Provorov's still an RFA, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so right now they have one good defenseman that they were trying to trade, and that is it. You're not a Justin Braun fan. He's fine. Yeah, I thought, he's I fine. he was fine. The Matt Niskanen addition was a little odd. Well, he's fine. I, I, I'm I mean, not sure he's fine anymore. Uh, <laughs> giving up Gudas, uh, 
Yeah, yeah that's. I mean, well, yeah, Rodko yeah, always was. We're not. Either. We're not fans of Rodko Gouda. Sorry. We're saying is you did. Other Shane Doan for that matter. You're no. taking a very similar level of talent from last year into this year. The yes. only difference is you're going to get a full season of Carter Hart. Yeah, you don't. You know, hopefully you won't be in goalie hell again and playing eight different goalies. I don't know. It's Philadelphia. I kind of just assume they always will be. <laughs> could even be if a, Hart's playing well, they'll just bring in seven other guys. Brian, yeah, there Brian could be Elliot. a little injection of offense here too. Who knows what Morgan Frost is going to do at this level? He's been pretty successful so far. They've they've. I don't know. I would say they've underachieved for the last few years. So even if they just do what they're supposed to do, they could be a playoff team. But I, I wouldn't take that as they went out and got a lot better this offseason. It's just Carter Hart, really. That's that's why you're excited about Philadelphia, if you if are. I'm excited. I'm just... I'm, I'm, I'm saying if somebody were so inclined to, to be, be excited. excited. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to look at you when I said that. Don't look at me. Uh, I'll never look at you again, Jamie. All right, we ready for questions? Sure. It's now time for Swedish Things with our special guest, Sebastian Moore. Hey, Sebastian. Uh, you think you know so much about soccer, but you really don't. It's like an hour. There are some Swedish-themed questions mixed in here. so okay. I'll try and answer yeah, them. Yeah, we'll let Craig answer <laughs> okay. those, and then Seb can answer the detailed salary cap okay. questions for the Coyotes. Oh, thank you. Um... I don't know what this first name is. I believe it is at I'm a Raven Caw Caw. What? And the question is... This is Lamar Jackson's account, okay. If I go to Sweden and I can only see or do one thing, what should it be? Craig? Um, <laughs> um, uh, well, in that case, uh, uh, you, you, would you like to pass yes, over I'd to like Sebastian? I'd like to pass, yes. Okay. okay. This one. So you should go to my hometown of Gothenburg. And take a trip out to the archipelago. Oh. Yeah. Super wow. nice. That sounds exotic. Yeah. And if you want to go watch some hockey, go watch Frelunda. They're pretty good. They won last year. So. Look at that. They, they pronounce it archipelago there, too? Or do you have another word for it? Uh, no, we have a different word for it that I can't remember at this mm. point. It's probably yeah. not allowed due to FCC hey, worry, regulations anyway. Oh, I remember. Skärgård. Yeah. Yep. That's what I was going to guess. Sounds yep. a lot less exotic that way. <laughs> yep. uh, Dangle Snipe Belly writes in, Why are Swedish fish so gummy and gross compared to delicious American fish or even flaky fish sticks? I'm not sure I agree with I, that. I will not take, I will not yeah, take I the like Swedish, Swedish fish, fish slander. I will not allow it. Are Swedish fish actually Swedish? And we just call them fish. <laughs> There you go. Do they swim around and the archipelago? Lord, they actually come in a lot more different flavors back home. What? Yeah, you can get the salt, salty licorice ones. You can get yellow ones, green ones. Do those ones have flavors, or just yellow is the flavor? <laughs> I mean, it's probably just a no. It's like M and M's. Like they're all different. They're all different it's colors. Lemon, they taste different. It, you know, it's lemon and apple. Do you have whatever. any like really like bougie ones, like exotically, like caviar flavored? Yeah, like something just really out of this world, like not a normal candy flavor. No, I mean, the, the thing that most people react to is the salt licorice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we have somebody, I can't find it now, wrote in with a question that just said salt licorice. That was the question for you. There was Delicious. No yeah. Okay. The best candy. Salt <laughs> licorice. Best candy. Uh, Todd in Phoenix writes in, do you think the Rangers rebuild will go fast enough to get Henrik Lundqvist a chance to lift the Stanley Cup? Second question, has Eric Carlson made any more epic commercials that could top recover like Eric Carlson? This is a Swedish commercial that I haven't gotten to watch yet. Mm-hmm. So it's a Swedish question. I haven't even seen that one. Really? No. We'll, we'll all watch it together after the show. Okay. Sounds good. Wasn't I mean, epic. Henrik Lundqvist does a bunch of uh, Head & Shoulders commercials in Sweden. Does he? He does here, too. <gasps> a bunch. Really? Yeah. They're pretty I funny, I'm curious too. about the Lundqvist question, though, because he's yeah. got two years left on his deal. This, does he... 
have something left in the well now that he sees that this team is moving in a, a good direction. Because um, if he can elevate back to the guy that we know, yeah, they become a really interesting team. He played well enough to win a cup a couple times in mm-hmm. there, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have a cup to show for it. But if he could bring it, it I, I think we, for a story like that, we're looking at next year, right? Assuming there's not a lockout. Lundquist last year under contract, and the Rangers may yeah. be going on kind of an improbable run through the Eastern Conference. Yeah. I, I'd say no, unfortunately. I, I don't think they're that close to being a true cup contending team. But as we said, the Metro is winnable, and that that's your path. It's not, it's not having to face an elite opponent until the conference final. And at that point, if you get hot goaltending, anything can happen. But I, I, st- I don't think they're, they're one of the top cup contending teams right now or next season. Well, I just I think he's maybe asking just could they be in a position where they're a playoff team that catches the right path and and goes on a run where they get to the Eastern Conference Finals or something that's a nice story. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like he could get super hot for a month. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Follow up from Todd and Phoenix. Who's your money on in a sewer fight? Cronwall or Tortorella? That's a good one. That's a good one. Mm. Cronwall has the physicality, but Tortorella has Tortorella's the anger. scrappy. Yeah, yeah. scrappy. Yeah. I feel like Tortorella would bring Depends. a bat. Oh, that's why I was going to ask. Are weapons allowed in the ring? <laughs> no, but I think so did you, did you see weapons many, were allowed. I, my money's on so Did you see many people had to hold Tortorella back from getting in the Flames locker room? Like, I mean, yeah. 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 There's, there's a lot of fire there. Uh, Private writes in. This one might be for Jamie. Did I make a mistake by betting Colorado won't make the playoffs? Why did I listen to Jamie? Well, I'll answer the second question, Private. I don't know. There is no good answer well, to the depend- second question. Well, it depends on what odds you got. I'm assuming you got plus odds on them to not to not make the playoffs. Again, I think they're, I'll say this for the millionth time, I think they're in contention for a wild card spot, but I'm not, I don't think they're anything more than that, and I don't think they're a team that's a guaranteed playoff team. I'm just... I've, Cannot make my thoughts on Colorado any more clear. Uh, just for Sebastian, in case you haven't heard the last few episodes, Jamie hates Colorado. Okay. That's what's been established. Um, what is your bet on Colorado that I, we're waiting for somebody to take? Uh, I don't remember what it was. Okay, good. I'm glad we're... You were supposed to write the stuff down. I, I have did. that. I have, like a, I have another like another goal bet that wasn't just Galchenyuk. I write the stuff down. I just throw it away right after the show. Okay. Well, that but, seems, but that I seems do kind of productive. Yeah. Someone um, write in and tell me what my Colorado bet was. It... It was something about making the playoffs. It's a point, I don't remember if that or point total or something like that. All right. Well, we'll reestablish it during the it's central good that you preview. Stand by what you say, though. Yeah. Whatever. I. I because <laughs> I, I said though, my words have been twisted on the show about Colorado <laughs> every which way. Here, you can't I even remember, remember your words. I've been very clear about this. That this is at best they are the second wild card team. At best. Okay. I'm writing. I, I will write this down and I'll, I'll take it with me. You have Galchenyuk over or thirty goals. Yes. Thir- is it thirty or more or just? Yeah, he'll hit 30 the 30 goal there. Yeah, yeah, 30 goal. As long as he plays 70 games yeah, or 70 more. games. Yeah. Okay, so these are Jamie's outlandish predictions. Actually, I don't think that was that <laughs> I, crazy. I, I, I did have Could a be a poll question, really. Oh, Which yeah. of these Jamie predictions is the most Because there's another one, I think, with Galchenyuk. It might have been Galchenyuk versus Kessel. Like, there was a minus number of goals It, it or was. You, I just don't remember what it was, because you wrote it down and said you were going to keep it. But it was your prediction, so if you really stand by it, you should just remember it. I make a lot of predictions. Okay, so that, that's an excellent point. Luke. It's, it's tough being right all the time, so I, I, I sometimes forget. So the Galchenyuk one is written down, and what, set the record straight on Colorado right now on this Metro Division preview. Playoffs or no? No. If I have to pick one, no. So no, and you're saying no better than the second wild card. Correct. Okay. okay. Back to the questions. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, Trade one, scratch one, play one. <laughs> Ooh. Tavares, Marner, Matthews. Over there. Oh, I'm just jumping in. Trade one, oh, wow. One. I got, now I had this whole system. Okay, so what was it? Trade one, scratch one, play one. Tavares, Marner, Matthews. I'm in that order. Oh, okay. So I think I would trade Matthews because you'll get the most. Correct. I'd play Tavares, yep. and can. I would scratch Marner because he's not playing anyway. You can't, yep. get, you can't get anything in return for Matthews that's as good as Matthews. Well, I wouldn't trade any of these guys. <laughs> 
Okay, so you're saying trade Tavares. Trade Tavares. We all agree scratch Marner because he doesn't yes. Yes. play. Yeah, I mean, he's not going to be there anyway, so yeah, what does it hurt? I mean, you scratch a player from Zurich. I don't know how that impacts right. Uh Murdoch wrote in, and I know we've kind of talked about this, but let's just sort of recap it. Since it's recent news, how would you grade the Keller extension on an A to F scale? Again, very new and a lot to factor in, but initial reaction. Just, just for context, that deal happens, I don't know, like an hour before we record We it love letter grades. Oh, yes, I love them so much. Let's grade the deal before he's played a single game under it. Okay. That's B. how I feel. So incomplete? <laughs> incomplete. I, incomplete, Aren't yes. you going to be teaching a class at ASU? I am. So are you just not going to give out letter grades? No, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, what's up with that? Like when what's I went to school at ASU? Hired, I mean, or? come on. You could be learning Can from Can I just Morgan? take the class online? Why? You don't want to hear Craig's voice? I mean, I get it, but... <laughs> <laughs> You'll have to Skype call me for every every lesson. Um, yeah, you could be learning from Herm Edwards and Craig Morgan if you go to Luke ASU and I are, right are so sitting in the back of Craig Morgan's can class. We, can we are, sit in on one of you them? You are not allowed yes. in my classroom. I, I'll pay money to audit it. I'll do that. No. I'll let Luke pay money to audit it. You can't pay enough money for me to allow you in my classroom. <laughs> well, now it's not my classroom that, anyway. There's I'm no Paula Bovin's classroom. Yeah. See, I would actually just pay just to take her class. I'd really probably be there to critique you relentlessly and ask stupid questions. Hmm. Um, Is this going to be on the test? (laughs) Professor Morgan, (laughs) it's going to be on the test. Okay, this is from Imagine the Garbage Pail Kids, but in outer space. Since the esteemed Mr. Staples is a guest, the only real question is, what are everyone's favorite? Oleg Kavasha, Taylor Pyatt, and Mike Sillinger stories. Wow, I don't have a lot of those stories. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Uh, Awkward silence. I was only with the Coyotes for the Pyatt era of those. Um, They were good teams. I mean... Mm -hmm. I covered Mike Sillinger, too, but I don't have any memories. <laughs> Maybe we'll save those for next time. Um, okay, here's one. This is for Seb. Okay. From Gertrude von Lichtenstein. Ah, yeah. Stein, we, Stein. We, we, no show is complete. I'd like to mix it up Gertrude. a little bit. Um, who's more influential in Sweden? Say it. Zlatan Ibrahimovic or Nicholas Lidstrom? Uh, Zlatan. Really? Yeah. Because he's currently a player? Yeah. I think it's it's. I mean, for that whole generation coming up, really. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm not going to dispute you since I've never been to that side of the planet. So I'm going to go ahead and say. No, I mean, that. in hockey, you know, if you if you talk to hockey interested people, they would say Lidstrom, of course. And but I feel like if you would just pull a random Swede on the street and show them two I, photos, I awesome. one of Slatan yeah. and one of Nick Lidstrom, and say, okay, who are these people? I think more people will be able to say, oh, that's Slatan. All right, guys, I got a road trip idea. <laughs> got an idea. <laughs> we just pull random Swedes off yeah, the no. streets. Let, let, let's, we're going to Sweden. Okay. Let's get on a plane. I, is, Zlatan's a little more outspoken, too. Than oh, yes. Slightly, so, yes. Oh, yes. That's the two extremes. Slightly. Uh, I go by H now. Sebastian, who makes better meatballs, Sweden or Italy? What are your thoughts on Scandi Noir? Do you call Swedes? Right, let's see. <laughs> You're great at asking. I, no, questions. I just feel like I feel <laughs> like I might be might be getting great, thrown sweetie. into saying something that I'm not supposed to say on the air. So, who makes better meatballs, Sweden or Italy? Sweden, hmm. of course. I go with Italy. No, well, fighting putting marinara sauce on a meatball. That's Come delicious. On. Come on, right now. And then Rhonda Pearson, how do Swedish meatballs at IKEA stack up against the ones from home? I mean, they're okay, really. Uh, they do come frozen, which um, if you buy already made or pre-made meatballs in Sweden usually they're just in the fridge aisle yeah um, 
but it's a staple food, yeah. I mean, homemade is always going to be best, of course. But um, they're they're solid. Did you bring? Some it's always today? it's always good to have a bag in your freezer. Just <laughs> emergency meatballs. Yes, yeah. I feel like you should have brought some meatballs today. Yeah, now yeah. That I think no. emergency meatballs. I feel like yeah, because Craig, Craig didn't serve like a three course meal to us today, yeah. so no. he missed the Sebastian's turn. He brought in Craig yeah, as far as all sorts as, of food. as far as uh, Scandi Noir. Yeah, it's kind of cool. It's the you know it's crime series and books and stuff that yeah. are set in. Scandinavia. I like it. I swear that was like a wine brand or something. Yeah, I, I uh, as far as the rutabagas question, yeah, I have no idea. That's Boonji. I have no idea what that even <laughs> means. For some reason, I just I didn't think they had crime in Sweden. I just picture your whole country as people playing hockey and soccer and being happy. I wish. Okay. Yeah. Um, Elden, this will be the last one. What Swedish food do you miss the most when you're in the States? What Swedish food is available here that Americans should try? Hashtag Swedish things, too. There I like you go. it. Yeah, uh, yeah the food trendy. the foods that I always have to have when I go home is uh, kebab pizza. The Swedes make a mean pizza for some reason. I don't know why, but we make really good pizza. What's and uh, the kebab pizza, you have that big old spit with the meat, mm-hmm. and you shave it off. You put it on there. Oh, you don't some, leave the spit on it? Some, no. no so, that's kind of no. hard to chew <laughs> it's on. dangerous. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you put a bunch of meat on it, some onions, some... Um, What's the meat? What's it? What, what sort of? Meat it's uh, usually it's I think lamb and pork, or if it's just pork, mm-hmm. I don't know, but it's good. All right, it's lunchtime. And then uh, what was the last part of that? I don't know. I closed it. Oh, <laughs> it's gone forever. <laughs> you didn't want to ask? Does Lou Lamorello look like Mister Clean? Oh, I, I missed that one. Okay, does he? he? I would never. Oh, the other dish is called a half special. Oh, the one that we have here. So it's a hot dog, and then you put mashed potatoes on top. And then, if you're on uh, the West Coast, where I'm from, usually you put some shrimp salad on there, too. I don't know how I feel about yeah, this. I'm willing to try it. Yeah, it's delicious. Did you bring that? No. Okay. All right. We have one more team to preview. Since uh, Jamie besmirched the Islanders, he will leave the room now and go into a soundproof booth while we talk to Arthur Staple of The Athletic. Arthur, thanks for the time. How's your offseason treating you? Uh, too short, but uh, but pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> Well, I'm, I'm going to start off with this, Arthur, because we're, we're arena sensitive around here in Arizona. So what's the latest on, on the Islanders' new digs? Uh, still, I think they're clearing some trees and getting ready, and there's still a plan to have a groundbreaking at some point this month or maybe time it more to the opening of the season. Um, it keeps getting sort of incrementally pushed back. It was supposed to be in the spring, and now we're here almost in the fall. Um, but it's still enough time to, to get an arena built for the 21-22 season. So I haven't heard anything beyond a few uh, minor, you know, hiccups, I guess. I wouldn't even – maybe they're even they're not even more minor than to call them hiccups. But uh, but everyone is still very optimistic about the track that they're on. And, uh, yeah, that would uh, that would be um, – I think that would take the Islanders out of that, that uh, arena hell that them and the Coyotes <laughs> and a couple other teams, I guess Calgary, you could throw them in there, yeah. uh, that, that have, they've lived in for many, many years. The Islanders was a special kind of hell shipping between two buildings. That was that was interesting. So, <laughs> Yeah, well, that will continue at least for a little while longer. Right. So uh, right. I think the one, the one change that they really want to make is uh, to make sure all the playoff games are in Long Island because after they were – blowing the roof off the Coliseum uh, in one and two against Pittsburgh. And then it was not quite as raucous against Carolina in games one and two. And the outcome was 
two wins and then two losses. So I think uh, I think the players and the fans and everybody has convinced themselves that uh, the Coliseum is, is the place to be. <laughs> it is pretty cool being so close to the ice. It's a, it's a, another era being in that arena. I love that. Uh, let me start with just a general question here based on the offseason the Islanders had. Basically bringing back, other than the goaltending, most of the, the guys that contributed to that unexpected season last year. Uh, what's your general feeling about the Islanders heading into camp? You know, it, it's a different feeling, obviously, than last year. I think last year it was, uh, you know, n- nobody knew what they had. I think that went from players thinking about the new coach and the new GM and the new front office wondering what they had in, in their on their roster. And, um, yeah, the, you know, I, I just think in general it's a little more confidence, um, a little more security in knowing what they've got. Um, and, uh, and maybe that, that sort of consistency and the work ethic that they developed last year is going to be the thing that, that they focus on the most. They did, you know, they took a pretty, a pretty big swing at, at Artemi Panarin and missed and watched him go to their rival. And that's got to sting a little bit. Um, but yeah, like you said, you, you swap out Robin Leonard for Semyon Varlamov, you swap out Valtteri Filpola for, for Derek Broussard. And maybe you see a, a young guy or two crack the roster, but, uh, but it is essentially going to be the same group. And I think, um, Maybe that's uh, not as sexy to a lot of fans, whether it's this team or of other teams, compared to, say, the Rangers or the Devils, their two most closest rivals who made a lot of changes uh, this offseason. But you don't always need to win the summer to, to win games in the NHL. So I think that's that's the prevailing feeling around the team is that we know what we have and what we have was pretty good last year and we can build off that. Arthur, uh, the Islanders had the best goals against in the NHL last year, and you sort of touched on it there. They don't have Leonard anymore. They replace him with Varlamov. Just given how that tandem worked last year, are they confident that they can bring in another guy seamlessly and keep that going? Uh, they certainly seem like they are. Uh, you know, it was definitely a bit of a surprise how they handled uh, Leonard in the wake of such a successful season, and really. You know, kind of from the day of first day of training camp when he wrote his incredibly heartfelt piece for us, um, you know, this was a guy who was who was embraced very openly and warmly by a fan base that doesn't do that a whole lot with new people. Um, I mean, you, all you had to do was see how they reacted to Tavares the first time he came back to know that this is this is an emotional group and they're not always the most positive. Um, but uh, but they love robin leonard and i think they will for a long time and he's he's a guy who you know was very open with his emotions not just uh you know on our site but in in life uh and every day in the locker room so uh it was definitely a little bit curious to see them not not really make much of a competitive offer for him and then kind of quickly move on in the few days before july 1st to to focusing on varlamov and, and giving him you know four times five is a big number for an almost 32 year old guy who lost his starting job uh, in his most recent season. So, um, you know, I think they are banking on Mitch Korn and Piero Greco working with Varlamov and doing with him what they did with Leonard and Thomas Grice a year ago uh, and banking on a system that has a lot of, you know, has pretty much every skater who was there last year back again uh, with more knowledge of it um, to, uh, you know, to limit chances and be, you know, structurally sound and all the things that help them get to where they where they you know the the success they achieved last year so it it was a uh it was an interesting choice uh and i'm curious to see what they can do with varlamov you know lou lamarillo did say that uh they tried to trade for varlamov at the draft uh in 2018 before they had any goalie really and uh and so maybe this is a guy that mitch corn and has identified as someone that he knows he can work with and and mitch uh mitch's track record is one that's hard to argue with 
I wanted to ask you about Matthew Barzal. He comes in as a rookie and puts up an amazing 85 points that year. Last year, still a good year, 62 points, but obviously playing without John Tavares in year two. To to have such a big change so early in your career, how do you think he handled that last year, and do you see him taking maybe another step forward again this year? You know, I think last year was a, was a lot of uh, a lot of learning for him. Where the first year was a lot of you know you let the puppy off the leash and let him just run around and, and do what he does. Um, and I, and I, and, and Barzell is a pretty smart guy, and I think he understands what Barry Trotz was trying to do with him and the conversations he's had with Lou Lamarillo about what they what they want to see from him beyond uh, you know the flashy plays and, and the all offense all the time type of uh, type of play. And I think really in the playoffs was where you saw him put it all together. You know, he and Jordan Everly, you know, as far as the offense goes, pretty much single-handedly, those two guys put down the Penguins. Um, and they were still producing against Carolina, too. A lot of chances that just didn't go in, and, and uh, they were really the catalyst of the Islanders' offense, and that's what they're going to need. This is not, uh, you, know, the fail, you know, striking out with Panarin means that Barzell is really still the lone star of this team. And, and uh, you know, their power play was in the bottom three in the league pretty much the whole year. Uh, that probably cost him 15 or 20 extra points, and I, and I think he's he's got an interesting perspective on things that he wants to be, he wants to be Sidney Crosby, he wants to be Patrick Kane, he wants to be a guy who is known for the for the incredible plays, but also known for winning. So he, he traded in uh, 85, you know, shaved uh, you know about 30 percent off of his scoring, but uh, but managed to get to the playoffs into the second round. So uh, I think for him, it's uh, it's going to be an interesting year, especially walking to the end of his entry-level deal and seeing what all these restricted free agents are sitting around looking for right now. If he can have a big year and they, the Islanders have another you know, successful year and get deep into the playoffs, you know, we might be sitting here at this time next year wondering, well, when's Matthew Barzal going to sign and how many zeros are going to be after the one on his deal, uh, his <laughs> average annual value. So uh, it'll be interesting. And I think as a guy who always likes to prove to people that he's uh, he's a highly skilled guy he's he's gonna be very motivated arthur you touched on this before but with much of the roster retained uh brassard filling one of the few holes what is the prognosis for this team's youth are, are there openings and where are those openings you know i think you saw a couple guys sneak in here and there devon taves really is the the main guy on defense uh you know came up in the middle of the year and and you know, had the sort of season that if he'd been here the whole year, he would have been in the conversation with guys like Rasmus Dahlin and, and Miro Heiskanen. And he's a lot older; he's already 25. But uh, but as a rookie, he showed a ton of poise. And by the end of the season in the playoffs, he was the the quarterback on their top power play unit and really had it clicking pretty well. So um, he's a guy I think they're looking for a lot of a lot of good things from and and a you know a crowded group of defense that may allow them to move a guy or two uh, where Taves can move up the the latter a bit. Michael Dalcall established himself a bit as an NHLer last year. Um, you would think that there's a spot in the bottom six for him. Josh Hosang is always uh, good for a conversation piece, but uh, you still <laughs> have to see it on the ice and in training camp. And um, I've certainly spilled a lot of digital ink on him over the last couple of years. Uh, he's a compelling figure and a very talented guy. Uh, he's coming back basically on his qualifying offer, and we'll see what he, he can do in in, uh, in training camp. And then if you drop down to some of the more recent draft picks, you've got a guy in Noah Dobson, a right-handed defenseman who was the 12th pick in 2018, who's won back-to-back Memorial Cups out of the Quebec League. Really doesn't have anything left to prove at the junior level at age 19, so you know I have to feel like he might be on the roster when they break camp in a month. And Like I said, they've already got seven NHL defensemen 
on the roster and they didn't move anybody out. So if Dobson makes it, it's going to be pretty crowded and, and they're going to have to make some room for him to play. Uh, and Oliver Wallstrom, who was the 11th pick, uh, had a pretty disappointing year at Boston College last year and turned pro at the end. Um, he's going to probably start the year in Bridgeport, but he's a guy who they have a lot invested in and are pretty high on. And certainly they're going to, you know, like I said, striking out with Panarin and, and at last year's trade deadline, striking out on Mark Stone or Matt Duchesne. A guy like Wallstrom would look pretty good in their lineup with his ability to, to shoot the puck pretty well and, and score a lot of goals off the wing, which is uh, something they desperately need. I know you wrote about this recently, so what's the prognosis on Cal Clutterbuck and Andrew Ladd, and how does that impact things up front? You know, it, yeah, it's interesting. Clutterbuck, uh, Clutterbuck seems like he's going to be ready to go uh, from the start of camp. He had back surgery that wasn't quite as major as, uh, as it might have been. Um, and he really, you know, he's he's a plugger, but he's an important plugger on a team that's not overly skilled, that relies on four lines rolling pretty consistently. You know, he's he's part of that, that fourth line with, with Casey Zizekas and Matt Martin. They contributed, I believe it was 35 goals last year. That's a lot of, well, it goes 20 from Zizekas, but those other two guys, uh, you know, pretty good at preventing chances and creating them at the other end and played a lot against opposing teams' top lines. So if he's healthy, that's kind of important. And Ladd... You know, his his time on the island has, has pretty much been a mess since day one. He, he came in on a seven-year, you know, $38.5 million deal three years ago and has had some back issues. Last year it was a torn meniscus followed quickly by a torn ACL, limited to only, you know, 13-some-odd uh, games. Um, so, yeah, you know, he's, he's 33 now. He's certainly got a decent resume, uh, and he's been back on the ice skating. I don't think he's quite going to be ready for the beginning of the season, but uh, – but when he's healthy, he's a guy that Barry Trotz likes. He's a dependable bottom six guy who can provide a little offense. He can kill penalties. You know, it's, he kind of fits what the what Trotz likes in a veteran player. So um, if those two guys manage to be healthy from day one, uh, then it's guys like Dal Call and Hosang are going to have to work that much harder to, to crack roster spots because they do have, I believe, it's 15 one-way contracts right now among their forwards. So, you know, Lou is uh, – Lou has a plan. He doesn't tell anybody his plan, but it's, it's going to be interesting to see how it all shakes out. You better out. not ask either, right? No, no, no. I, well, you can ask. He'll just give you the stare. <laughs> uh, Arthur, my last one for you. We've been looking at the Metro today. That division has probably changed more than any other this offseason. You know, based looking through the lens of the Islanders who made the playoffs last year, how do you feel about the landscape of that division, even with, with teams as close as the Rangers and, and the Devils having such good off-seasons, but teams like the, the, the Penguins and, and Blue Jackets maybe taking a step back? Yeah, you know, I, I think what, you know, you, you, like I said, it's hard to know what the plan is, but I, I think in the goal of for the Islanders of, of retaining their, their some of their key guys like Anders Lee and Brock Nelson and Jordan Everly and, and taking one big swing but not really making a whole lot of other changes, um, I think the consistency is is the key for them. I think Barry Trotz uh, likes to have the same group of guys to work with, uh, dependable guys. He's not necessarily looking for uh, you know the the kind of far flung. You know, this is a team that looks a lot more like his Nashville teams than like any of his Caps teams, even though the Caps were the ones that got him to the promised land. Um, so I think that consistency is is really you know I think Washington is going to look very similar. The Islanders are going to look very similar, and that's really it. Like you said, Pittsburgh. This could be the year where they take a bit of a dive. Columbus is really going to be scrambling a bit with a lot of new faces. Carolina had such a great year, but uh, they've made some changes. Uh, maybe not, you know, losing their captain at least temporarily. You know how that's going to affect a pretty young team. 
And the Rangers and Devils have done a lot, but they had a lot to do. Those those are teams that finished 30-plus points behind the Islanders. So can they make, make up that kind of ground? And Philly is always a bit of a wild card. So I think it's there for the Islanders to – be where they were last year as long as they can continue to grind you know it's it's um it, it's a tough ethos to live by where you just have to outwork teams you know game after game and year after year and i think for the regular season it's a it's a great mantra to have and the islanders really bought into it last year and i think they can buy into it again this year it's more for them if they get past that point again whether they can find that extra level in the playoffs that you really need to to succeed in, in four seven-game series. Uh, you know, they had it against Pittsburgh. They really looked pretty dominant, and then it disappeared on them. They couldn't score a goal against Carolina. So so maybe if they're in a good position, again, when we get towards the trade deadline this coming year, maybe this is the time for Lula Morota to, to spend some capital and, and really go for it a little bit more with, with improving their, their high-end skill because, like I said, outside of Barzal, it's really – it's really not a, a big name group, and and like and that's probably good enough for another hundred point season if their goaltending holds up. But uh, I don't think it's good enough to uh, to be a conference finalist or a Stanley Cup finalist. You can find him on Twitter at Stape Athletic Arthur Staple. Great stuff as always. Thanks so much for the time. Enjoy the season. All right. Thanks, guys. Anytime. Thanks, Arthur. All right. Thanks a lot. It's Arthur Staple checking in there. Uh, that's going to do it for us, Craig. We're going to wrap things up right now. Atlantic next week sounds good to me. <laughs> Okay, good. We have a plan. It's good to have a plan. Yeah. yeah. We've just formulated it. All right. Uh, for Jamie Eisner, for Sebastian Noren, for Craig Morgan, for Arthur Staple, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast. This is me filling Jamie's space. So much better.